0: It's open for free. Dagger! The kick in, here it comes. Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books! Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions! You like that? You like that? I like that! You gotta like that, right? My approval ratings keep going up. Sorry to keep you waiting, complicated business. Oh, it is a complicated business. It is November 1st, almost halfway through the NFL season, and I officially care more about the Washington Wizards and the Capitals than I do about the football team. Just another absolutely embarrassing performance by the football team. My name is Joe. This is Defeating the Curse. Unfortunately, we're going to get into yesterday's loss at the Broncos. Washington football team traveling across the country and losing 17-10 to a team that they could have beaten ultimately they did not and as fans you know we're still just kind of scratching our heads and and thinking to ourselves can it get worse than this and the reality unfortunately is yes it can i think a lot of us going into this week were feeling maybe a little hopeful that okay this is a, a winnable game heading into the bye week this is something you know maybe the team can get some things offensively corrected defensively they're coming off arguably their best performance of the season and man, did they lay an egg. A couple players I will not kill today on the on this podcast. First one is Jonathan Allen. He had arguably his best game of the season. He looked great from start to finish. I uh, I watched, I would say, a fair amount of this game. There was a lot of things happening, you know, late afternoon game in DC when you've got young kids and people over and Halloween and all these things going on. I got to be honest, I wasn't 100% committed to the game. I did end up watching most of it back this morning. It's, it's Monday here right now as we're recording. So I did end up watching a fair amount of this game back. And, you know, overall, it was really more of the same. And, and I, I said that last week with Bill as well. This is just kind of what you're going to continue to get. This is a bad team. And the sooner we all accept that this team is a bad team, I think the better our overall feeling will be towards every game going into... I mean, right now they're on a bye week, and the best thing about it is they can't lose on a bye week. And that sucks as a fan. But it's the honest truth. It's the honest truth. This team is not very good. Ron, when he was speaking maybe a little off the cuff, saying, you know, 7-9 and and making the playoffs last year, fool's gold and maybe set expectations too high, I think he was right. I think if we're being honest with ourselves... This team is not good. It is not built to compete. Perhaps Ryan Fitzpatrick was more than a Band-Aid. You know, maybe Ron looked at the roster and said, you know what, if I can add Fitzpatrick, if I can add Curtis Samuel, and the defense can kind of hold their own a little bit, maybe I go two for two with playoff runs, you know, to start my tenure here in Washington. They couldn't be further from that. I mean, the season at two and six, it's not over statistically. And, and if, you know, we will be grasping now every single week the odds of making the playoffs, not making the playoffs, uh, you know, and then soon enough it will turn into draft positioning. Should we be tanking? It's the same thing over and over and over. For the last 20 years, more seasons have started and ended this way than I, I, I care to acknowledge. But, I, I mean, I don't know what to say, and I really don't know what to do. A lot of the folks that I grew up with, a lot of the guys on this podcast even have stopped watching the games in real time. You know, they, they tune in and they get excited. You know, when, when the teams, you know, puts together one, two, three game winning streaks, but for the majority of the past 20 years, this team has been really bad and we have, it's just fool's gold. We, we keep falling for the same thing. And you know, we did a Twitter space uh, show. I'm not, you know, that's an interesting platform uh, there was a couple that were hosting by hosted by some other podcasts that I jumped into, and and it was a lot of the same talk. There's a lot of people putting their faith right now in the congressional investigation into the NFL emails, into the football team. Can it go somewhere? Sh- sure, there's always a, a chance. I mean, I, I don't know if this is the most important thing Congress is is you know needs to be working on or working towards uh, resolving at the moment. It's possible. Sure, it's it's possible that something comes comes of it. But, in, you know, what are we asking for here? Are we asking for more Dan Snyder stuff to come to light? I mean, the, the, the commissioner is already on record saying that he feels he's been punished enough. You know, Dan put his wife in charge of the team as, and then, you know, claims that, you know, oh, oh I'm, I'm hands off now, I'm totally away from the team as if his wife doesn't share with him what's going on, as if she cares what's going on with the team, right? They're just counting their millions. And I, I know once upon a time, there was a lot of talk about well, Dan is buying his, his favorite team, his childhood dream team. Like this is a dream scenario. Uh, you know, and we all kind of channeled that inner Dan Snyder. At, at one point in time or another, right? This dream of like, I get to, I can buy my favorite team and actually be the owner of the team. Unfortunately, it's turned out to be an absolute disaster here in DC. I mean, here we are on a sports podcast and we're, I haven't even started talking about the game. And I don't want to talk about the game because it's not worth talking about. This is a bad team. And it starts and ends with ownership, just like any other organization on the planet. You cannot be better than your leadership. You cannot. In spurts, sure. Long-term sustained success in particular, impossible. It is absolutely impossible. Someone find me an organization where it's rotten at the top and continues to perform or, or excel at any level of management or performance from a performance perspective. It doesn't exist. As long as Snyder's in charge of this team, directly or indirectly, as long as he's got puppets, unfortunately, and I hate to use that term, everyone that's ever worked for him started off with a backbone and ended as a puppet. Every single one. The last two or three weeks, and I'm getting hot here just thinking about the 21 retirement ceremony. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to get back into it. But think about the apologies and who they came from. Those are, these are independent, new voices that were brought in to ch- help change the culture that end up parroting the same thing. That end up just repeating the lines that the owner wants repeated. This is what's happened here consistently for so many years. For two decades, it's been the same thing. Brand new coach, Super Bowl winning coach, same outcome star offensive coordinator or star offensive mind, star defensive mind, same thing, same result, over and over. The only exception, the only exception was Joe Gibbs with two playoff runs, you know, essentially out of three seasons and that was it. That's the only exception. Jim Zorn, Mike Shanahan, same start, same finish. Two opposite ends, two opposite extremes, from capability, performance, and, and you know, from just about every possible way. Jay Gruden, offensive mind. Rivera, defensive mind. Same thing. They have the same win percentage right now. Think about that for a second. Every head coach under Snyder has been between 37 and 41% win percentage. Between 37 and 41 win percentage. How is that possible? How are Rivera, Zorn, Shanahan... Gruden how are they all around the same win percentage all of them with different rosters different team strengths if you want to call them that they're all around the same win percentage say what you want this franchise it's not even about the curse and I'm not saying that to be you know to be cheeky as long as Snyder's in charge this will be the same outcome over and over and over there's flashes in the pan but he always gets involved And when he gets involved, it's going to be the same outcome. Frustrated leadership or middle management that's pretending to be leadership. They will ultimately leave and somebody else will come in. We will pin our hopes on that individual and we will get nowhere. And that's why a lot of people right now in the national media don't understand why fans in D.C. are are just clinging to the hope that Congress will do something here. I've mentioned it before. Donald Sterling in the NBA. He said some unsavory things. He was caught doing some unsavory things. The NBA, you know, you, you can you can say what you want about the commissioner and and the social justice warrioring that they do. The commissioner got immediately involved. The team was sold within a matter of months. What well, I mean, the team the, the 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 league stepped in and said, We can't have this. The players also stepped in and said, We're not playing for this guy anymore. And that maybe forced the hand of the league. In baseball, the Dodgers, the Do- I mean, the, the leagues, the, the, the MLB insisted that the Dodgers get sold for the same reason. Nasty divorce, tricky situation, can't have any uncertainty. There's only so many of these, these teams available. Team gets sold. These leagues are self policing to some extent. The NFL, no way. And I think it tells you more about Roger Goodell and the rest of the league than it does about Dan. We know who Dan is. We know what Dan is. But Dan's been around for a long time. If you think Dan is going down by himself, you are severely mistaken and, and really, really underestimating Dan Snyder's power and ability to destroy, what, a third of the league, a third of the owners, half the league, and the commissioner himself. The commissioner is in more trouble with this congressional investigation than Dan Snyder is. And just just let that sink in for a second. Why would Goodell protect the emails? Why won't Goodell give give up Dan Snyder? Goodell's been here before. Remember Ray Rice? Remember the commissioner saw the tape and made a ruling? Oh, no, that's not good enough. The commissioner's been here before. Remember, anyone remember what happened with Ray Lewis? Anybody remember what happened with Ben Roethlisberger? Long time ago, different world. There was no blue checkmark brigade back then. There really wasn't even social media back then. It was a, it was, social media was a one-way thing. It wasn't about back and forth and canceling everything. Just think about the situation Goodell is in, and it'll tell you everything you need to know about why he will not go quietly or cooperate. He's going to fight to keep whatever is private, private because he knows he knows that one, it has the potential to destroy him. And two, Dan will not go quietly. I, I mean, I, as a fan, sure. I have some hope that Congress will get this right, you know, but I can't, I'm not holding my breath. And frankly, as you know, also as a fan watching this team, you know, again, in spurts, losing 17-10 to a team that they could have beaten, you know, it's more of the same. It's more of the same. Antonio Gibson, you know, he about, what, three, three and a half, four yards carry, eight for 34. Somehow, Jamie McKissick only gets three rushing attempts. I don't understand that at all. Heineke ends the game, you know, going 24 for 39, you know, attempting almost 40 passes, 207 yards, and a, a touchdown, two picks, and, and the picks were bad. The picks were bad, of course. But he out. I mean, you could argue he out, outplayed Teddy Bridgewater. I suppose, right? I mean, you could. Uh, you know, but I mean, did, did did any part of this team look good to anyone yesterday? I mean, McKissick, eight targets, eight receptions, eighty three yards. Yeah, he's probably the MVP on offense, right? Carter. I mean, Carter had himself a good game too, right? He run. He ran the ball, or I'm sorry, he caught that that one long touchdown. Okay, I guess. Patterson, you know, a couple carries, uh, what, 10 carries almost? Okay, we'll take it. You know, Adam Humphreys, okay, 35 yards. Terry, seven targets, three grabs, 23. I'm going to say something, and I know people aren't going to like it. I love Terry McLaurin. I think he's a solid dude. I don't think he's ready to be a number one receiver. I think he's being forced to be a number one receiver, and he will get there, okay? And don't, don't misunderstand or misquote what I'm saying. He's the best weapon we've had in D.C. in a while, a long while. And we have to keep him here. But how much better would he be with Curtis Samuel or someone else, someone, anyone else, even Logan Thomas, someone else to take some attention off of him? He's not at the place in his career where he's going to line up and, and beat a double team consistently. He's not. And that's not a knock on him. It's his third season in the league. like He needs time to develop. And hopefully we have the right people to continue to develop him we, we don't, and no one wants to see McLaurin's talent squandered. But if you're in charge of this team right now, you only have so many assets. You only have so many pieces you, can, you, you really look at and you say, I got to protect this piece for the long term. And Terry's one of those pieces. You've got to keep Terry here. But you also got to get your offseason acquisitions correct. Curtis Samuel, I think, I mean, you can't, uh, this is where I start to shift and I really get frustrated with the coaching. The coaches know what they have and don't have. The coaches went and said, we need Fitzpatrick. Call it what you want, but he's not here. He can't help you right now. If he's healthy, he's got to be the starter. This is my opinion. And I know I'm right. And everyone listening knows I'm right. If Fitzpatrick is healthy, he must be the starter. Heineke, these reps that he's getting right now, week in and week out, are very important. He will be a, Reasonably solid backup in this league and probably here in Washington for a while. And I'm okay with that. He's a good backup. He knows the offense. We know that in spurts, he can get it done. He's exciting to watch. He keeps you interested and intrigued in, you know, in the game. He can make things happen that Fitzpatrick certainly can't, maybe, or maybe, maybe he can't as well anymore. But Heineke is, is a backup, right? He's not the franchise guy. Fitzpatrick is not the franchise guy either. But if you're going to give reps to somebody, Heineke it makes sense to continue to give them to Heineke because he's likely the one who's going to be on this roster 3 or 4 years from now as a backup. But the guy that's not on the roster right now is the quarterback. We don't have a quarterback. I mean, how many more times do I need to say, you know, what we all know? It, you either have a quarterback in the NFL or you don't. Half the league doesn't have one. Washington's one of those that don't have one. The other half of the league, you know, cut that into half, right? So a quarter has one. The other quarter thinks they have one. Washington, no, we don't have one. We're not even close to getting one. And we're not bad enough to be in a position to get one. And that's what's really frustrating. 37, 40% win rates. That means you're consistently drafting somewhere around the 10th pick. Sometimes the 8th pick. Sometimes the second pick. Right? We just saw that happen, right? Chase Young, ninety nine. Gonna set a you know the duo sack record. Okay. That's great. I'm over ninety nine. And maybe just because I'm pissed off right now, but I'm over ninety nine. He's gonna be great somewhere else. He's wearing out his welcome in DC really fast. You gotta have a little bit more situational awareness. You can't lose in the fashion that you did in Denver. You can't be on a team that's two and six. And within five minutes or ten minutes of the game ending, you're on social media posting your one play for the season, your one forced fumble. He's about himself. And I know he's a kid and he, he's going to grow into it. I get it. I get it. But he's fallen out of favor with me and I think with a lot of other fans really quick. When you're good and your team is winning or at least competitive, okay, dance and sing and promote and do whatever. But when you're losing, when you're losing the way that this team is losing, when you're not competing, no nah, man, you got you got to have more you got to have some more self-awareness. You got to have more self-awareness. You got to know that the team is bigger than you. You have to. You have to. This is a bad team. The only player that I think earned their pay. And, and and that's not a nice way to say it. The only one that the only player that really stood out in my mind again, uh, you know, yesterday or, or Sunday against the Broncos, was Jonathan Allen. Everyone else more of the same. And the one player that they needed yesterday, ironically, was Hopkins. I mean, did is Chris Blewett on 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 you know, on track to set some kind of record for blocked kicks? in the first two games or three games. I mean, if I, by my count, he's got three blocked kicks in two games. And I'm not going to make any jokes about it, but I'm going to go back to the coaching. What was Ron Rivera thinking to cut Hopkins midseason an 85% field goal kicker for a guy who hasn't kicked professionally ever and kicked the last time in in college five years ago. And I'm all for, like, the opportunity. I get it. Bring someone in, challenge Hopkins. I get it. Why would you cut him? I'm not a Hopkins guy. Like, as a dude, we're cool. Sure, they could have done better. They could have went and got someone better. But not in freaking week five or six. It doesn't make any sense. It's just deflecting. It's more of the same. It's more of the same with this team, and the coaches are now falling into the same thing too. How is Rivera making a change on special teams when the offense can't move the ball and the defense can't stop anybody? But his big move to distract us all or just to to, to pretend to you know be doing something is to swap an 85% kicker for a, I think by my count now, a 22% kicker. I go back and check the numbers. They're not equal. And this is really painful. I, I mean, Ron, you know, I know Ron, Ron's coming from Carolina. I mean, maybe, maybe Carolina fans care about their team. Maybe, I don't know, the, the team is like five minutes old by comparison to the, the Washington football team. This is a passionate fan base. It's dwindling and it's definitely shrinking in size, but we care. And we call BS when we see it. And that was BS. And what this team is putting on the field right now is total, total crap. I'm not going to kill Scott Turner anymore. I think he's limited by the pieces that he's got to play with. That being said, I feel like there's some teams doing more with less. But this roster, oh man, give me, give me Cleveland's roster. Give me Detroit's roster. I mean, give me the Broncos roster. Give me, give me a roster that, that is at least, I mean, I don't know. It's just the quit factor here is huge. And I think Ron is really close to losing the locker room and losing the team as well. I mean, I don't see any fire from him. He he doesn't seem like he's very interested in coaching. I I, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what this iteration of Ron Rivera will ultimately, I don't know how this tenure will end, but right now it just doesn't look good, guys. I, I mean, that's the honest truth. It doesn't look good. I don't see any fire from him at all. And I mean what what else can you say? What else can you say? You know that again, like to me it all it all starts all starts at the top. And we wanted to believe that Rivera was going to be the guy, the culture guy, right? But it turns out the culture can't be changed. You know, the the head coach can't change the culture on the field and off the field. It doesn't work that way. Snyder's still here. He's still calling the shots. I don't care what anyone else says. We're not stupid. You know, and, and, you know, a few seasons ago when the, when the, uh, when the Clippers were sold midseason because of some, some of the antics of the former owner, it was because, I mentioned this earlier, it's because the players got involved, right? The, the NBA player said, I'm not playing for this guy anymore. A couple weeks ago, I said the same thing. Congress can do more investigating. Goodell can pretend to be investigating or, or paying attention. But if one player, if 99, or any, any of them, it doesn't matter which one, if somebody stands up and says, I can't play for Snyder anymore, everybody will, everybody will listen up. I said it two weeks ago. I said it last week. I said it on the Twitter space. And this past week, John Feinstein said it, uh, said it online as well. Put a tweet up, and I, I think he talked about it at local radio too. I, don't, I mean, maybe he got it from me. I don't think so. He's a very smart dude. I listen to him regularly. I don't think he's ever listened to this show, but we are saying the same thing. The players have to get involved. If the players stand up and say, we're not going to play for Snyder anymore, the league will be forced, forced to do something. It's very similar to when the fans say, we're not going to go into the stadium. Could you imagine? Could you imagine before the next home game, if the, if the tailgate, uh, you know, if the parking lots were full and the tailgates were crazy, but nobody actually entered FedEx field? The NFL would have to do something at that point. The fans, that's all we can do as fans. Don't get it twisted and don't pretend like we have more power than we can. That's all we can do. All we can do, like turning off your TV, it doesn't impact Snyder at all. He's getting paid either way. TV rights are done. Doesn't matter whether you're watching or not. Going to games? Yeah, we can make an impact. Sure. The players? Well, they can definitely make an impact. But are they willing to put up game checks? Would you blame them? for not doing it? I mean uh, just think about it. These guys, most of these guys are 24, 25, 26 years old. For their entire lives basically, this team in Washington has been poop. Do they really want to be here? Do they really want to play for, pay, play for Dan? You know, would this expedite their departure from the city to another team to another situation? I don't know. These are these are all things to be discussed. At a future time, you know. For now, I don't really want to get into the X's and O's. It's it's too depressing. The team did not play well. They are in a bye week, and Ron is now threatening to have them practice. You know, I, I mean, I, I would imagine that's a very fast way to lose the team as well. Like no, nobody wants to do that. And this isn't like these aren't these aren't high school athletes or college athletes where, you know, they're they're you know air quotes here being punished by practicing on. Uh, their bye week or not getting their days off. I mean, these guys are getting wrecked every single week, regardless of the outcome of these games. They are playing a full contact sport, and they are their bodies are getting wrecked. The bye week is about recovery, just as much as it is about you know resting and or I mean, obviously it was the same thing, but like physically recovering and mentally taking a step back and resetting. I, I don't know what what Rivera is trying to prove here again. By, by having them practice or stay stay in DC for the bye week, I, I think again it's a I think it's another miscalculated old timer move that will only you know expand the divide. Basically, I, I, I think the I think the coaches are really close to losing the, the players. I I really do. That's my read. There's no fire from the coaches. There's limited fire from the players, but. You know, yeah, and winning will fix it all, but they, this team is far away from winning. And coming out of the bye, they get Brady. Uh, I mean, and, and Brady, I mean, this, it's a bad situation here in Washington. But I don't want to talk about them anymore. There's a there's a lot of good football that was played. Um, I guess one one meaningful note today, we didn't see Vaughn Miller yesterday for the Broncos, and that's because he got traded. Um, well, he claimed it was because of an ankle. Regardless, he, he was officially traded today, I believe, to the Rams. So when we get to the my top five, top 10, um, you know, NFL midterm grades. I'll I'll jump into that a little bit. But I do want to just highlight some of the scores from around the league yesterday. I mean, starting with the Packers, I, I was wrong about the Packers. Uh, defensively, they're not very good. And 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 Joe Barry deserves uh, quite a bit of, you know, of, of criticism for their performance, especially in the red zone. But they did beat the Cardinals, right? They did beat the, the last undefeated team, uh, you know, to push themselves. I, I think, just, I mean, the Packers are playing great. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to bury the lead. They're number one in my power rankings going into, uh, into the upcoming week. They played great. That was a highly entertaining game for a Thursday night game. It wasn't a dominant performance. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers didn't have his, uh, his full ensemble of offensive weapons. But the one thing that stood out, the difference between someone like Rodgers and someone like Brady to me, and I, and I see it now, maybe more so, Rodgers has gotten it done with – less than all stars or less than all pros for the majority of his career he's had one or two really good backs and one or two really really good wide receivers he's really made his receivers you know Brady you could argue has had better talent around him certainly a better defense for the majority of his career um you know it's it maybe it's a little bit of an apples and oranges comparison just something I noticed like like Aaron is not a nice person and, and you can tell he's got a, a little bit of, uh, you know, a, l- a little bit of D in him, but, you know, I mean, he gets it done and, and who's going to argue with with his his actual statistical accomplishments? Packers beat the Cardinals. That was a highly entertaining game. Um, Panthers and Falcons. I'll tell you, the Panthers are going one direction. Uh, they lose their quarterback in this game. The Falcons, Falcons might be a little bit better than everyone thinks. You know, they, they end up losing this game, but but again, Cordell Patterson, Either everyone was wrong about Cordero Patterson, which is possible, or the Atlanta coaching staff just, you know, deserves a tremendous amount of credit for finding a way to utilize him better than everyone else because he he's just looking... I mean, he's unstoppable. And from a fantasy perspective, I mean, yeah. yeah. If he's not rostered in your league would, by some miracle, go grab him and stick him at running back, not wide receiver. But speaking of fantasy also... Uh, my stud, my workhorse, and no one cares about my fantasy team and I don't care about yours. Derrick Henry, done for the season. Titans, they do win in overtime. They beat the Colts. Colts are a weird team too. Can't really figure out if they're good or not. Um, but the Titans, Titans were a good team, are a good team, could still be a good team. Derrick Henry's done. In Fantasyland, I know we all want him back in six weeks. In reality, it's a franchise running back, arguably the best running back in the league for several seasons past and maybe several seasons ahead, Titans are not going to rush him back. And they shouldn't rush him back. If it's an 8-10 to week injury, he should take all 8-10 to weeks. Now, the negative, of course, is that their Super Bowl aspirations are probably gone. But that being said, they're arguably the second best team in the AFC, maybe third, depending on how you feel about the underperforming Chargers at the moment, and maybe the Raiders too but they're, they're they're significantly behind the Bills even though they beat them, in my opinion. And they're behind a, a handful maybe at this point of NFC teams as well. So if I'm the Titans, I'm not rushing this guy back for any reason. If, if that means you have to punt on the season, so be it. But they do have a couple pieces and they, they are working out and apparently have, they have signed Adrian Peterson. And the one thing we know about Adrian Peterson, again, in DC, we had, we got to watch him here for a couple seasons. He's not very good when he gets five to seven to 10 carries a game. He can be very good when he gets 15 plus Derrick Henry touches the ball a ton, a ton, very little pass catching, although he does do a fair amount of that. And I mean, usually when he does, he's taking it to the house, but that's a good fit for Adrian Peterson. You know, you're not asking him to outrun everybody. You're asking him to pick up four to four and a half yards per carry. He can do that behind the Titans offensive line. He can. That's a really, really smart pickup for them, for the Titans a good fit my buddy uh my buddy dukes of course is a lifelong uh, titans fan he's very excited about i mean he's not no one's excited about losing derrick henry but but adrian peterson makes sense for this team and i think he's gonna slide in and obviously they'll, they'll be missing something but i mean he's not he's not derrick henry but if peterson can slide in there and do like i said four yards of carry you know times 20 carries a game right somewhere somewhere between 80 and 100 yards and a touchdown they'll still they'll be in every game moving forward i don't know if it'll be enough but it'll be interesting. Um, let's see, some of the other meaningful games. The Bengals, I don't know what's going on with the Bengals either. I guess that's the that's the, the feeling this week is what happened to the Bengals? Bengals were trending into the top ten, arguably, maybe top eight. Uh, from a power rankings perspective. That they drop one to the Jets, you know, led by a backup quarterback. I don't fully understand that one. Steelers go into Cleveland and get a win. Cleveland, all of a sudden, you know, Dearness Johnson looks. I mean, I mean, he, he look. I mean, they have a serious running game in Cleveland. They only manage ten points though, and the Steelers end up winning 15-10. Just another weird game for both of those teams. Um, Eagles put up forty four on the Lions. I mean, what can you say about the Lions? I mean, you know, again, as a Washington football football team fan, uh, do we take a flyer on Jared Goff or is he overpaid? Do you just let him kind of ride it out? I, I don't know. Something maybe to consider moving forward. But the Lions look terrible. The Eagles get a big win against a really bad team. Rams and Texans, you know, Rams are good. Texans are not. What else can you say? Von Miller joining the Rams just pushes them even further up. I got them number two. I got the Rams two in my power rankings or, you know, heading into the next week. I mean, it's that's a really good team. Super balanced, great coaching. What can you say about it? Texans made it interesting. Not, not interesting. The Texans got some points back towards the, uh, the back half of that game, but it was not very competitive. Uh, ultimately, I mean, the Rams are just all over them to start that game, from the, from the jump, honestly. 49ers and Bears, both teams are poop. Both teams are going nowhere. Don't really care about either one of those teams. Uh, Debo had himself a nice game, but I, I don't care about either of those teams. They're, they're, they, they are not teams I will care about or follow moving forward. Um, they're just, you know, comfortably mid-pack. The, they don't matter one way or the other. Patriots and Chargers. This game, you know, Patriots clearly are, you know, Belichick will have you believe he's found his guy. I think he's uh, he's close with Mac Jones. It's going to take a couple years, but, you know, if he didn't want Cam Newton and no one else wants Cam Newton, then there's probably a reason that Cam Newton, you know, there's probably something more there. Mac Jones, I mean, he's progressing. He's coming along, but the Chargers are a team I just don't fully under. I mean, they are a good team. They can run the ball. They could certainly sling the ball and throw it. They can get chunk yards. Defensively, I thought they were a little bit better than this. You know, they're ultimately still in the mix. I think they're still a playoff team. I think they are good enough to win a playoff game on the road as well and, and destroy someone's season. I don't know if they're going to be consistent enough or good enough to get much beyond one win maybe in the playoffs. But I'm still watching them. I think they're a ton of fun to watch. The offense is a ton of fun to watch, and Justin Herbert's going to be a stud in the league for a long time. Jaguars and Seahawks. Seahawks roll. Uh, again, two teams that I don't really care about right now. Um, we'll see the Seahawks here, a football team. We'll see them in a couple of weeks. With our luck, you know, because we're cursed, we probably will be the game. You know, uh, Russ Wilson is back, and he'll he'll go for 500 yards or something to that effect. The Jaguars just stink on ice. They are so bad, just so so bad. I mean, they belong at the bottom of the of the power rankings. They are terrible. I mean, could could they? I mean, could they already? Could they be bailing on their quarterback already, and coach for that matter? I mean, could they trade them both somewhere else? Who who knows? Who knows? Cowboys and Vikings. This was one that that was very lackluster, uh, even though both offenses were able to move the ball a little bit. But let's talk about Dallas here for a second. I mean, Dallas they're they're better than people want to give them credit for, even with without Dak yesterday. You know, Cooper Rush steps in and delivers a win. I mean, a, a win on the road against the Vikings team against Kirk Cousins and the Vikings a team a game that the Vikings really did need to have. You know, and and Kirk. You say what you want about Kirk, okay? And I'm, I'm a Kirk guy, okay? I, I, I will not hide that, and I'm not ashamed to say it. I kind of, well, no, I don't kind of. He should still be in Washington. If Dan and stupid Bruce Allen would have just signed him to a deal, he would be here with probably one or two more seasons left on a long-term deal at around $18 million a season. Just think about that. You know, WFT fans. Of all the, the 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 carousel of quarterbacks coming and going and coming and going and the garbage we've had under center, Kirk, he might not be the guy that's going to take you to the Super Bowl, but he's going to keep you competitive. And and Vikings, you know, they're, I mean, he is exactly who we think he is, right? He he's he's an exciting quarterback to watch who can't win big games and he can't he cannot bring you back. He's not going to be the guy who who puts together a, a late fourth quarter drive to win a game. He's just never been that guy. He doesn't have it in him. That's not his thing. And it's unfortunate because he can make every throw. He throws a lot of picks, but he's, again, he's, he's, the Vikings are, are not losing because of cousins. Well, I mean, certainly you could argue that. I, I don't see it that way, but you got to get, you got to get more than 16 points. And if you're the Cowboys, you got to be thrilled. that even without Dak on the road in a tough, place to play against a quality opponent, you know, a a mid-tier opponent, they were able to eke out a win. But, I mean, Dak on the field, oh man, this game would have been very, very different. But again, if if you are the Cowboys, you've got to be encouraged. You've got two running backs that can run the ball. You've got three receivers that can, if they catch the ball pretty much anywhere with a little bit of space, they're going to break tackles and get chunk yards for you after the catch. And defensively, they're solid. They're sound. They were able to confuse cousins just enough to keep that, you know, to keep him from moving the ball effectively yesterday. And say, again, say what you want about cousins. Half the league would have him right now as their starter quarter, starting quarterback. You know, again, is he going to get you to the playoffs? No, that's not something he's done in his career consistently. Can he win you a game? Uh, no, but is he better than half the quarterbacks in the league? Yes. 1000%. Yes. 1000%. Yes. You know the Saints would have him in a second. You know that's that's the last game I just wanted to recap here, touch on really quick. The Bucks and the Saints yesterday, that was a very exciting game. Tom Brady, you know, looking a little bit older than usual. For some reason, the the Saints get up whenever they play the Buccaneers, regardless of who's playing quarterback. But I'll tell you what, the Saints losing Jameis Winston, I was wrong about this. Jameis, Jameis is not a good quarterback, and I, I will stand by that statement. But the team playing around him and Sean Payton, again, when you have excellent coaching, you can get more out of average players. And I think that's what—that's where Sean Payton now has consistently excelled. When he had Drew Brees under center, and uh, and a talented offense, that defense he was able to find a way, some combination of coordinator and himself, to get just enough out of that defense to keep him competitive, keep them in the postseason mix, keep them in the playoff push, you know, help you know win a couple games, and obviously all the way to almost the NFC Championship last season. But they lose their quarterback now, and they're sitting there. If I'm not mistaken, I think they are sitting at, let me double check. Let me double check. They're sitting at five and two. And if you are the saints, there's probably two phone calls you need to make right now. The first one's got to be to Drew Brees. I think you've got to reach out to Drew Brees and say, Hey, Drew, we know you did the retirement thing and we love you, but is there a chance you would come and suit up? Because we're five and two. We got a lot of winnable games left on our schedule. NFC is a pretty stacked conference. But would you consider coming back? If he says no, if he says yes, then there's no, you don't make the second call. If he says no, you need Philip Rivers signed. And there's rumors and, and talk on Twitter that uh, Philip Rivers was on his way to meet Sean Payton. And what an ending to the, to the, to the Philip Rivers story would be if, if by some miracle... The Saints not only sign him, but make it to the postseason and, and, and continue their run. Phillip Rivers is a good quarterback, and he's he, he's not great at this point in his career. He's good. He's above average, not great, somewhere in the middle. We'll just call it good. Give him the ball in that offense, and let, let's see what he can do with Kamara and some of the pieces that they're getting back elsewhere. And, you know, once upon a time, Sean Payton, you know, said, Hey, the Chargers got a quarterback that I really like. His name is Drew Brees. Let's go get him. And the Chargers, you know, they had their guy in Philip Rivers. It's just full circle. Why not? Why not try it one more time? I, I think Philip Rivers in a Saints uniform would be the best thing for the Saints and certainly for Phillip Rivers. I mean, he, he. I don't know if we can call the Saints a contender, but they're they're closer to contender than you know the Colts were last season. So I, I think if you're Drew Brees, you got to consider it. Although I don't ultimately think Brees would be interested, but if you're Phillip Rivers and you're sitting around doing nothing right now and you, you've been practicing, you're still in game shape, why wouldn't you go play with Sean Payton? Like Again, why, why not? Phillip Rivers right now on his couch is better than 15 of the quarterbacks that are starting next week in the NFL. If Sean Payton can get him, he should get him. And conversely, if Philip Rivers can get Sean Payton, he should get him too. This just makes a ton of sense to me. Bring him in, see what he's got, and then plug him in. You can argue whether he's better than Jameis or not, but he's better than anyone else they can go grab right now. I don't see Cam Newton in a Saints uniform. I just don't see it happening. I think Sean Payton wants somebody who can stand and deliver the ball exactly where it needs to be in a in a in a precision timing offense. And Philip Rivers, I think, can do that. So I think, I think that would be the way to go personally. I mean, if, I, if I'm the Saints, bring, I mean, I, we know that they're bringing him in. I think you sign him right away. I think, I think you have to roll the dice and try to get it done. You're 5-2, and two, and you've got a game on the Bucks. So, yeah, you should continue to push forward. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. The game that I'm not going to talk about is the Giants and the Chiefs. It's happening right now. I'm not going to reveal the score because I'm not going to scroll that far down because I want to watch it later on. I want to watch the Manning-Manning broadcast. But I do want to pivot and talk about the power rankings. I want to talk, just you know, kind of give you my top five. Actually, I might go top ten, and I'll do the bottom teams first. Um, and then I'll a couple other topics. I want to talk about the Wizards. I want to talk about, uh, I mean, it's a couple other things, and then we'll wrap up the show. But let's go power rankings here. Let's take a let's take a moment here. Let me catch my breath. All right, let's go power rankings. Starting with the bottom, the bad teams at the bottom of the league that really. I think people got to, you know, <laughs> we need a relegation platform. I, I think it would be beneficial to the league to have a, a second tier. I don't know how it exactly would work, but, you know, these teams really don't belong in the NFL right now. Lions, unfortunately, I, I mean, they're they're playing hard. They're just not very good. And the coach, you know, I guess it's the, it's the reverse uh, uh, argument from Rivera, right? Rivera's team is not performing and he's not passionate, which frustrates fans. Well, the Lions are not performing or trying to perform, but their coach is extremely emotional. And I I imagine that would be also annoying for fans. So I I don't know. But the Lions, Jags, Texans, the Giants, um, we'll see what happens tonight. But those are kind of the four or five, uh, you know, and then the Washington football team and the Jets. You you pick where you want them to put. But the Washington football team absolutely belongs in the bottom five, bottom six, if we're being generous. This team is not good offensively, the defense is underwhelming at best. Players are constantly out of position. They can't cover tight ends. They can't cover deep balls. They give up way too many penalties. And frankly, they're they're too they're they're this is just a bad team. So Lions, Jags, Texans, uh, football team, Jets, and Giants in some combination are the bottom of my power rankings. Going to the top, I'm gonna go in reverse order. I'm gonna go one, two, three, I'm gonna go ten to one. Number ten, I got the chargers. Uh, I I still believe in Herbert. I still believe in that that offensive unit. I think they will move the ball effectively for the rest of the season. And I think again, I think they're a playoff team. We'll see how much damage they can actually do. Ravens, I got at number nine. It's the Lamar show. Um, I'm not a Ravens guy. I, you know, I live close to Baltimore. Obviously, I'm a football team fan. I can't make that transition to purple. But he's must watch TV. He, he's super exciting to watch. That team plays tough. They don't have a ton of stars on that team, but they're they're gonna be in every game because Lamar is that good. So I got the Ravens at nine. I got the Raiders, uh sorry, the Ravens at nine. I got the Raiders at number eight. I think they actually found something now that they've removed or dumped uh Gruden, whether you ha- regardless of how you feel about Gruden, that team looked good. Um they they you going into the bye, they were running the ball a lot better. Derek Carr looked like he had some rhythm in his passing. So anyway, for better or for worse, I got the Raiders at eight. Titans are gonna slip all the way down to seven. We'll see if they can fi- if they can find a way to plug that huge hole, the Derrick Henry hole. I think it'll be a combination of you know probably a couple different pieces including Adrian Peterson. from a records perspective, they belong there. you know maybe maybe the receivers will step up a little bit more, who knows but for right now I, I got the Titans sitting at seven. I got the Buccaneers at six. I think Tom Brady will continue to get it done. I think it's it's fair and expected that he misses a game here or there has a has an off game throws a pick. I mean, I think those are all normal. I think that defense is still uh, top half, top ten, uh, maybe maybe even a little bit better when all the pieces are are fully there and and, and they complement an offense that can move the ball. Um, you know, but again, it's it's a little bit. They just they looked a little bit sluggish this week. So I got him at six. I got the Cowboys at five. Um, again, they slide down a little bit because we don't know how long Dak will be out, but that's a complete team, a balanced team. It pains me to say it, but I think they're going to, they are running away with the NFC East, but I think they belong right in that five, six discussion. I I just have them at five. I think they are, they're a good looking team. No, and it's, it's so unfortunate and disgusting. I I feel sick. I want to throw up myself just, just talking about it, but they're at five. I got the bills at four. I got the Cardinals at three. I got the Rams at two. And I, I do think if Von Miller is half of who he usually is, that team is only going to get better. Um, I would love to be in that defensive locker room and just kind of thinking through or, or listening to them talk about, you know, whatever their uh, their spiffs or their challenges are going to be week to week. The Rams are that good, and I got the Packers at one. I, th- I just think Aaron Rodgers has got something going right now. He, he hopefully he gets his his offensive weapons back soon. But you know, you could or you could argue that the you know. Pick your pick your one, you know, Packers, Rams, Cardinals, you know, in some combination. The next tier down would be, you know, maybe the Bills are part of that too. Then the Cowboys, Bucks, Titans, Raiders, kinda of the next that that B group, if you will. And then finally the uh the, the the Raiders, Ravens, Chargers. I think they're I think they're gonna be around and make the playoffs. But we'll see. We'll see if they're good enough to keep climbing. But that's my top ten. So that's my bottom but that's the bottom five and the top ten. I, I think ultimately the Rams and Bills are probably on a trajectory that no one's going to be able to catch them or stop them. Uh, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I mean, that, that's the beauty of the NFL is every week. Anybody can beat anybody. And and we'll see how it all kind of comes together. Um, you know, but it's November 1st. And as I said at the jump at the beginning, it's November 1st. And I, I definitely care more about the Wizards right now than I do about the football team. The Wizards are streaking. You know, I know I, I was going to go heavy on the the football here, but... The Wizards look really good. It looks like they're going to drop a game to Atlanta tonight. But the Wizards, Wizards are a good team. They are balanced. I think Tommy Shepard has done a, a a good job building a team that is really balanced. I mean, honestly, from the, the middle part of that rotation is really good. Like, really, really good. Um, Kuzma, you know, KCP. Uh, I mean, obviously Bradley Beals, Dimwitty. Montrezl Harrell. If we can extend Montrezl Harrell right now, like give the guy a five-year contract right now, he's balling every single night. Kuzma's balling every single night. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what this team will, how they will kind of mesh and and mold and and, and grow together. I mean, Davis, he hasn't even really played. I mean, he's not playing a ton of minutes. I mean, he's he's in like three, five, seven minutes a game. It's really been a lot of, you know, Harrell, Gafford. Uh, I, I mean, just. Uh, it's really interesting to see that they've got they got four or five players that can play three or four positions at a time. So a lot of different combinations make them, make them hard to match up against. They did have a, a little bit of a, a dud performance in Atlanta, a team they did typically struggle with. But, you know, 5-2 and two to start the season, 5-1 to start uh, and now falling to 5-2, and two, that's nothing to be ashamed of. I think this is, I think they're going to surprise some teams and they, they play really balanced ball. Really, basically the opposite again of the football team. And then one final note, one final note, and I will say good night, adios, and see you later. The World Series. It's hard to talk baseball without Stevie and Matt here. And I'm not going to get into the X's and O's, but I will tell you as a fan, as somebody who enjoys watching sports on TV, this has been a very entertaining series. Every game, I, I haven't found myself bored. My wife has been into them too, you, you know, starting with game one, you know, six, two, I think was the the final there, but the Braves win game two, the Astros win game three, the Braves win game four, the Braves win game five. The Astros win big and game six is uh, sitting here. Game six is tomorrow, November 2nd. A lot of things happening on November 2nd, but I, I think we're going to get seven games out of the series, which would be a ton of fun. It's been a good one. I'm interested to see if the core 4 for Houston can add one more one more World Series uh you know win to their uh to their resumes. I mean the the cheating argument as Matt noted like it's one thing if you cheat and then you're caught and then you stop cheating and your production falls off or you you look significantly worse, but this team has continued to perform and really I, I can't I mean the, obviously the the Braves are are uh our uh, rival of the Nats, but Dusty is a guy who who was who did awesome by us here on DTC. Was always willing to talk to us. I mean, just a small podcast, but every time we asked him for anything, he was able, he was willing to do it, whether on the record or off. So we're pulling for him. I, I can't say I'm not pulling for him. So I think I'm looking forward to the Astros winning. Hopefully, uh, Game Six and forcing a Game Seven, um, and that'll be much must must watch on Wednesday night. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens there. There's just a lot of a lot of good things happening. And obviously, if you live in Virginia, if you're listening to this, November November 3rd can't get here quick enough. Not not just because of Game 7, but we need these elections to be over. I'm so sick of listening to political ads telling me how terrible the other guy is, you know. And I don't know when it changed. I don't know when people stopped telling me or campaigning on a platform on their own platform to tell me how good they are or potentially what how their program is different than someone else's program or what they want to do for the state and the constituents. It just seems like everybody's just out to tell you how bad the other side is. And I think that's, uh, one, it's super annoying. Uh, The text messages are also super annoying. I don't know, like, it's to the point now where I'm telling, I'm responding to the messages that if they text me again, I will not vote for their person. Now, of course, I would never... I would never not vote because of a text message, but I also can't imagine anyone's looking at a text message about, oh, shock and horror, this guy did this thing. Make sure you vote to get him out or to get this guy in. Like, is anyone really sitting here, one the, the night before the election, waiting for a text message to decide who they're going to vote for? It's as if like the 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 65-year-olds of America have decided, you know, just discovered text messaging and got a hold of the text messaging machine and are just firing off these text messages as if, you know we're all just panicked individuals waiting for guidance as to wh- who we should go push a button for. So anyway, not to get on a political rant, although we do that here sometimes. We need November third to come. November second, we can skip. Everyone should go vote. It's your. I I feel it's your obligation and duty as a citizen to make your voice heard. That that is not a free privilege. That's something that cost. Uh, you know. It, a lot of sacrifice from a lot of individuals that we can have something that resembles free elections. And that's not a political statement. Everyone should go vote regardless of, of who your guy is or not guy go right yourself. in; it doesn't matter. Everyone should vote. Everyone should be part of this process. That being said, I don't want any more text messages and I definitely don't want to see, you know, I think 90% of the ads right now on local uh, DC airwaves are political ads. So we just, we just gotta be done with this election and move on. Uh, whether it's good or bad or whatever, we just got to move on. So I think that's it. 50-something minutes of talking. My voice is shot, but it has been fun. I hope you all enjoyed this ride. Again, my name is Joe. This is DTC. You can find the show on every platform, every platform, social media platforms, podcast platforms. Go find the show. Give it a listen. Give me a thumbs up. Let me know what you thought. If I missed something, let me know as well. Get out there and vote tomorrow. Until next time, thank you for listening. Talk to you later. My name is Joe. I'm out.